Ladies and gents, talk to me. What is good? Hey, welcome to the Let's Get It podcast, the podcast that is all about being open, being honest, being real, being relevant, and my God, just seeking faith. Hey, always inviting you to go there. Uh, my name is Jordan, and as always, I'm glad to have you rocking with me on this journey. And before I go any further, yeah, I get it. My bad, my bad. I've been away for a minute, but I'm going to tell you what, it was either that um, or not that and publish this podcast uh, or do that and be a D-bag of a husband and a bit of a horrible friend and a family member. And I'm going to tell you what, they're probably going to win out every single time. And by probably, I mean they are. So i like to hope that it'd be the same thing for you. Sorry, not sorry, because uh, that's how they say that, right? Uh, but anyway, yeah, enough. We're going to stave off the awkward silence. Uh, I apologize because I've been trying to put this collab together with the homie in Tampa Bay, dude by the name of Charles Clark. Uh, awesome, awesome dude. Um, and it's just been one thing after another about not being able to put it together. But that's going to come soon. Uh, trust me. And then also my bad twice uh, because I do have something for you today. And the mic quality on it is a tad shady at best at certain times. Uh, but that doesn't stop it from being the latest and the greatest. So I'm going to tell you what, we're about to do this on today, saints. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glo- okay. Yeah, y'all get it. My, my inner TD just be trying to come out. Uh, but anyway, I had the awesome opportunity to hang out with my beautiful brothers and sisters at the Sandbridge Community Chapel in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Just nice little lily white community. I don't know why I always be sounding white when I say that, but it's funny. Um, and I gave him a nice toned down rendition of a conversation that I have called Relatives. And pretty much just a message geared towards helping people realize you are most likely fighting the wrong one more often than not. Uh, what do I mean? Well, check out the message. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Again, as always, thanks for rocking with us. And without further ado, Ladies and gents, let's get it, man. Let's go. A little bit more, we're going to flesh out the context of Second Chronicles 11. I want to start at verse 1. Uh, when it says, when Rehoboam arrived at Jerusalem, he mobilized the men of Judah and Benjamin, 180,000 select troops to fight against Israel and restore the kingdom to himself. But the Lord said to Shemaiah, the man of God, say to Rehoboam, son of Solomon, king of Judah and all of the Israelites in Judah and Benjamin, this is what the Lord says. Do not fight against your relatives. Go back home for what has happened is my doing. So they obeyed the message of the Lord and didn't fight against Jeroboam. So the two minutes I have left, once again, the title of today's message is Relatives. Pray with me. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We invite you into this place, oh God. I thank you that you continue to use me, an unnecessary vessel, to do your amazing work. God, right now. I pray that you would just speak to every individual in here, speak to their hearts, speak to their minds, help them to engage, to open up, to access the power of your word and all of its might and strength. Lord, we just thank you for what you're going to do today in this place and the people of Sandbridge Community Chapel, United Methodist Church, six words to make one great place. All said, Amen. amen. 
really six words. Sandbridge Community Chapel. You never mind. Okay. So, um, by trade, I am actually a professor. I'm a college professor, and I teach young students the art of understanding and interpreting the Bible. A lot of fun. Trust me, it is. Um, so today, whether you realize it or not, you're going to get a bit of a lesson. Yes. Don't worry about grades for now. Um, <clears throat> and the first thing that I wanted to do is I wanted to break this open and let's get some background. Let's get some, some theology, some understanding of, first of all, who, who the heck is Rehoboam? And why on earth would somebody name their child Rehoboam? I can tell you right now, if my parents named me that, we would have issues. Just going to put it that way. But uh, did you know, number one, Rehoboam actually has a modern definition as a name as well. And that modern definition is a wine bottle six times the standard size. Ooh, awkward silence. Glory to God. I, I, I believe that that means that he will probably be a fun guy. Would you, would you agree with me on that? Um, but Rehoboam is the son of Solomon. He's the grandson of David. So this man is royalty. And lineage, he actually ends up becoming king. Did you also know that there's obviously an amazing amount of children that Solomon must have had uh, because of his, we'll call it promiscuity. Uh, but this is the only son that is mentioned in the Bible. 700 wives, 300 concubines, one son mentioned in the Bible. I find that a little interesting. Um, he does have a Hebrew meaning for his name as well, which is he enlarges the people. <clears throat> which is fairly ironic because ultimately Rehoboam ends up being a key figure and a contributor to the very downfall of the Davidic dynasty, the longest running dynasty in the history of man, naturally and supernaturally, thanks to Jesus Christ. Isn't someone glad about that today? Say amen. That's a C minus. Say amen. amen. All right, that's fairly B. <clears throat> Keep working on it. You're going to have some time. Um, but... <clears throat> What do I mean when I say that? Well, I think this is all wrapped up in one little story that actually takes an entire chapter. And it's the previous chapter to 2 Chronicles 11. So if you want to open it with me, I'm in the New Living Translation. We're going to 2 Chronicles chapter 10. And we're going to read starting at verse 1. If you found it, say amen. If you haven't, too bad because I know people want to get the Pungo pizza and ice cream. So I don't have time to wait. So we're going to start now. Verse 1, Rehoboam went to Shechem, where all Israel had gathered to make him king. When Jeroboam, son of Nebat, heard this, he returned from Egypt, for he had fled to Egypt to escape from King Solomon. We'll talk about him in a little bit. The leaders of Israel summoned him, and Jeroboam and all Israel went to speak to Rehoboam. Your father was a hard master, they said. Lighten the harsh labor demands and the heavy taxes that your father imposed on us, then we will be your loyal subjects. Rehoboam replied, come back in three days for my answer. So the people went away. Then Rehoboam discussed the matter with the older men who had counseled his father Solomon. What is your advice, he asked. How should I answer these people? The older counselors replied, if you are good to these people and you do your best to please them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your loyal subjects. 
But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the older men and instead asked the opinion of the young men who had grown up with him and were now his advisors. What is your advice, he asked them. How should I answer these people who want me to lighten the burdens my father imposed upon them? The young men replied, and for some reason I always have to sound like Kevin Hart when I say this. Uh, this is what you should tell those complainers who want a lighter burden. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. It just sounds like something he would say and it makes absolutely no sense. We're going to keep moving. Um, yes, my father laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. Three days later, and all the people returned to hear Rehoboam's decision just as the king had ordered. But Rehoboam spoke harshly to them. Listen to this. For he rejected the advice of the older counselors and followed the counsel of the young advisors. And there's a lot more to read, but we don't have enough time because I only have negative 13 minutes left. So what I wanted to do was to summarize that very quickly. What happens is obviously the people are not happy with his decision and he sends them home. A little while later, he sends a dude by the name of Adoniram to go out and take care of all all the, the settling of the accounts for people who were supposed to do what labor for this and taxes for that. Uh, but a very interesting thing happens. He sends out Adoniram, but Adoniram may have gone out and gotten stoned to death. <clears throat> yeah, he did. So Rehoboam gets word of this and his immediate response is, <laughs> and he flees like a little coward and goes and hides in Jerusalem. So obviously this isn't working out for him, but now he needs to save face. So he's getting ready to mount up with all these individuals that you saw or heard about in chapter 11. Benjamin and Judah, and he's getting ready to go forth. And then all of a sudden they get the word, they get the prophecy from Shemaiah to not do so. So before we go any further into that, I just wanted to go ahead and pull out some key points from what we just read. Number one in verse six, I find it very interesting that Solomon the wisest person in the Bible had and used counsel. That's actually just a freebie. That's for all the know-it-alls like me who swear that they don't need advice from anybody. We're going to keep that moving. Uh, in verses 13 and 14, and this is where I want to kind of pinpoint some stuff, it's interesting that he rejected the advice of the older counselors, yet followed the counsel of the young advisors. Now, here's a little extra that you need to know about Rehoboam. He's not that young, but he is young. At this time, he's probably 41 years old, most theologians would say. So he's been around for a while. And though he has been put in this capacity as king, he is clueless as to what he's supposed to do. So it would probably be a good idea for him to go ahead and listen to these individuals who actually counsel you know, the wisest person in the Bible. Would that be a good idea? He guys are see mine tomorrow back up. All right. So instead of doing that, he decides he's going to roll with his homeboys. And I think that he just listened to the counsel of the older advisors first, because that was a nice thing to do. You know what I'm saying? Like they was daddy boys. It'd probably be a good idea for me to save some face and look like a good king by listening to these individuals and be like, eh, it's cool. I'd rather go to Pongo Pizza and ice cream. Um, but in doing so, if you looked at the wording of that, it suggests to me that Though he's not a child, he 
and his homeboys, the young advisors, are very childish, very immature. And you know, if you're childish like that, chances are you probably think very highly of yourself. And so him, him and his boys, that's probably what they're thinking. And, and they're, they're thinking so highly of themselves that they actually had the audacity to coach him and say something like, tell them that your little finger is thicker than your father's waist. And I don't think they're trying to insinuate here that Solomon was really, really skinny or that Rehoboam was really, really fat. Insert Pongo pizza and ice cream joke here. Um, <clears throat> So what are they really trying to insinuate? Well, I got a thought process on this. and You know, bear with me, if you will. Let's, let's go ahead and let's have a conversation. Let's think about who he is in the scope of his family lineage. Let's start off with the understanding that we know who David is. And we know who Solomon is. But Rehoboam, who are you? Like, we know who David is, right? David is shepherd. David is mighty warrior. David ends up being king. David makes some greatest hits. You know, they're found in something called the Book of Psalms. Anybody ever heard of that before? You know what I'm saying? Do we know the Psalms of Psalms? Yeah, he was making hits. He was just, um, ooh, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, okay, we got that. Um, had a small problem. Some of the young people will relate to this. In, 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 in the common era, we would call it with Netflix and chill. Uh, Netflix and chill and kill if you read the entire story. Please feel free to look at that on your own time. But we know who he is. He's the man who is after God's own heart. Then we got Solomon. And we already know again who Solomon is. He's the wisest person in the Bible, correct? You know that. And he's responsible for, for other stuff as well. He Proverbs, you know, he gives us all the wisdom that he's learned. He's, he's instilling that in us, you know what I'm saying? He also wrote the song of Solomon, song of songs. You know, that probably inspired most of Marvin Gaye's work back in the 1970s. Glory to God. Um, had a real big problem with Netflix and, Netflix and chill. Real big. Like a thousand problems worth of Netflix. Read it on your own time. But we know who Solomon is. So Rehoboam, I ask you again, who are you? I don't think you anybody, bro. So it's very interesting to me that you would handle this this way as you are just now trying to flesh out your identity as the king of Israel and Judah. Or maybe he does understand this, and for that reason, he finds himself highly, highly insecure. And that's why he's acting and reacting the way that he is. And if that's the case, then maybe we can conclude this one thing. One man's insecurities caused an uproar and ultimately led to the downfall of this Davidic dynasty. Crazy. Now, what is the importance of this message or this part of the message? Almost nothing. But I just wanted you to understand exactly where we were coming from as we get ready to approach the next piece. We need to understand why the word relatives is so important. And in order to do so, I feel like we need just a little extra history to provide context for what was really going on behind the scenes. And so in order to do that, you know, I figured I would try and find some extra books that would explain it. And, you know, we just happened to find one that was entitled, guess what? A History of Ancient Israel and Judah. Who knew? <clears throat> so now that I'm at negative 26 minutes, I want to go ahead and read this for you. Um, in the book, it says... 
and it's pretty much related to what's going on at this particular point in time. The first four decades of the period of the separate kingdoms were a time of hostilities between Israel and Judah. Surprise. These hostilities consisted primarily of border skirmishes on the Benjaminite terrain. Now, remember in Second Chronicles chapter 1, he's galvanizing Judah and he's galvanizing Benjamin. So this makes perfect sense. During the same four decades, listen to this, and not unrelated to these hostilities, both Israel and Judah lost territories to other kingdoms. What does that mean? That means that Israel and Judah are going back and forth fighting against each other. Other kingdoms were looking at them like, yo, they're fighting against each other. Let's fight them. Sweet. So now, not only are they fighting against each other, but they have to fight against other people as well. And they're not paying enough attention. They're not focused enough. And for this very reason, they are actually losing their own territory while they're fighting to save their territory. Ah, hold on now. Let's transpose. Because I think that if you look at that story, brothers and sisters, relatives, and we look at Christianity today, brothers and sisters, relatives, in the body of Christ, nothing's changed. No, Jordan, don't go there. Okay. No, I'm going to do it. Um, <clears throat> so this is where we find the pivot point of this message. And I want to hurry up because now I like the sound of Pungo pizza and ice cream. And it's as follows. Every time that we, Christians, fight or feud against our family, our relatives, we're losing ground. And it isn't like physical fighting. You know, like, I don't think that, you know, you, you're going to have a conversation and then grab each other's hair and see who's going to win the hair pulling contest. This isn't, you know, greatest housewives of Sandbridge. Um, <laughs> but I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the understanding that if I look at this beautiful congregation, which has a lot of very beautiful people, none beautiful than my amazing wife who's sitting right over there, say hi to her later and make her feel awkward because she likes meeting a lot of people in a very short amount of time. Um, unfortunately, you guys are a part of the original rule of thumb that still stands in America today where this is the most segregated hour in America. But we all love Jesus Christ, right? Okay, neither here nor there. Um, then maybe down the street, there's a, a beautiful Baptist church um, that I'm pretty sure, you know, are, are talking about the same Jesus we're talking about. But when's the last time that y'all got together and did a community event? You got a beach across the street. I can cook out. I'd be there in a heartbeat. Oh, my God. Um, but you can do that together. You didn't, I don't know if y'all knew that or not. Uh, you know, I'm not even going to start talking about Democrats and Republicans. We're, we'll leave that alone. Um, <clears throat> but eventually, if we continue to be back and forth, and the small jokes and stuff like that, you know, we got seven dads across the street. They don't have potlucks like we do. I know they don't. Trust me, I used to be Methodist. But um, <clears throat> eventually, if we continue to do these small things, and we go back and forth at each other, there's a possibility that we could look around and may not have any ground to stand on. Think about it this way. If you're a non-believer, somebody who doesn't know or have a relationship with Jesus Christ yet, and you're on the outside looking in, and you keep asking questions about why these Christians just can't get along, eventually you ask the ultimate 
that has so much discord? And I think that the answer is not something that we're going to want to hear. I think it said best in Mark chapter 3, 24 and 25, a kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. Similarly, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. So there's a big picture here. We all Christians have one common enemy. Would you agree? D minus. Would you agree? Thank you. Still C, but neither here nor there. In Ephesians 6, 12, it says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers, this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. And then in Ephesians chapter 6, you know, it talks about the full armor of God. Everybody loves that one. Vacation Bible school. God is real good on that way back in the day. So we know it now, right? Good. But if I look at this, fighting against not flesh and blood, but evil rulers, mighty powers, evil spirits in heavenly places. Yeah, that's a shock. But remember, Satan got kicked out of heaven. Just let y'all deal with that later. The last time I checked, your spouse, you might have had a small argument with on the way to church. I'm not going to, you know, y'all, y'all talk about that later. Um, your neighbor who still has your lawnmower that you cannot stand. Uh, that Baptist church down the street. <clears throat> That black person that doesn't worship the same way that you do. That president, or for some of y'all, that other president before that president. We don't need to have that conversation. Um, That terrorist. That murderer. That person who just doesn't have the same viewpoint that you have. The last time I checked, I don't think that any one of them was a spiritual principality. Relatives, it's all we are, because we all already have one common enemy. Stop feuding, stop fighting against your brother. So now I need to conclude because about three days have already passed in this message. I believe that relatives and the kingdom are synonymous. You cannot be a part of one without willingly being included in the other, no matter what they look like. And we still have plenty of time to get it right. See, believe it or not, if you go back to that story, our friend Rehoboam, guess what? He gets his act straight. Glory to God. All the remaining areas, territories, kingdom that he had, he hunkered down took care of his people. He locked them in. He fortified the cities to make sure that they wouldn't have any other issues with attack. And then on top of that, guess what? In accordance with his, his daddy, who did it all a lot, he ends up having a son, a kid, a son. And he names his son Abijah. And if you look in the Hebrew, the word Abijah means my father is Yahweh. My father is the Lord. And it's amazing because as Abijah grows up, he falls desperately in love with God. He is so in love with the concept of having the Lord and a Savior who he is in relationship with. So much so that eventually when he becomes king, he finds that history repeats itself because he's fighting against the same dude that his daddy fought against before, Jeroboam. And they're at war. And as they're at war, he is standing on top of the mountainside and he is giving it to him verbally, literally, 
finish now. Read it. It's like another chapter over. He's like, you think you're going to do this to us? Well, we're in the armies of the living God. And our Lord is greater. Our Lord is stronger. Our Lord is higher than any other. I love song lyrics because they help you to fill in the blanks. Um, and so he's just giving it to him. And he's really mouthy. So all he's doing is chatting. So Jeroboam's just looking at him like, look at this fool. Look at him talk. Just look at him. Look. Hey, guys. He's taking too long. So this is what I want you to do. I want all y'all to go ahead and sneak around the back and get behind them. And while he's talking, we're going to go ahead and attack while he's not paying attention. Because his run is not too much about happening. That's literally happening. Happening. Like I said, read it. But what happens? While Elijah is talking, he realizes that all of this is happening. And in the very minute that he realizes it, in a great fit of desperacy, he cries out, God, save me. Save us. And guess what happens? God steps in and in the moment where it looks like they were going to be defeated because there was trouble on every single side, Abijah and his army end up conquering, defeating, and taking over the army of Jeroboam. They were outnumbered by 300,000 men. And they took out 500,000 of Jeroboam's men. And now something else begins to make sense. I love the fact that in my life, as I fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ and I grow closer with him in relationship, the enemies that come at me, they don't stand a chance. I love the fact that I can talk about them all I want to like I'm doing right now. And the minute that it looks like the enemy has a foothold on me, I can simply look up into the heavens and I can say, Lord, I need you now. God, please save me. God, rescue me. And in that very moment, we know that he's going to step in and do exactly what he's always done. Provide victory. Bring glory to his name and defeat every enemy that comes against his children. Oh my God, Sam Bridge this morning, are you not happy that you have a God that you serve, that loves you, that wants relationship with you, and the minute that the enemy comes against you is ready to defeat him for the cause and the purpose of his kingdom? You need to be happy. You need to be giving him so much praise. I'm just saying. Just a little challenge. So the understanding of this is really, really simple. Or at least it should be. When we finally break past the enemy's barriers, this is what we understand. We, the people, are the kingdom. We are relatives. Hey, cuzzo. How you doing? Uncle. And because his kingdom lives within us, we know this. My, one of my favorite passages is Galatians 2.20. For I've been crucified in Christ and I no longer, no longer live, for Christ lives in me. And though my spirit dwells amongst the flesh, my life is for the Lord because he gave his up for me. It's like we're a living embodiment of the Lord's prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if I encourage you with nothing else today, please, as you leave this place, remember the next time you see a face, whether they believe in Jesus or not, or if they do believe in Jesus and they just don't have the same views as you, show them love. Have a conversation. Get to know them. Because I guarantee you, if you begin to understand that we are all on the same team, that having the same problem that Reverend had, silence and security, all the other stuff, which we also have as well. They're probably non-existent. I pray for each and every one of you today that you realize when you're all on the same team, it doesn't matter what you look like. God is here. 
who's present, who loves each and every one of us, and he wants each and every one of us to be successful in this life for his cause and love with each and every one of us You guys receive that this morning? Jesus, we thank you once again for everything you've done, for who you are, for your amazing love, oh God. And if you never did another thing for us, Father, you've already done more than enough. But because your grace abounds, oh God, we simply say thank you. So, Father, add add an increased blessing to this word for each and every person who heard it today. If there's something to struggle through, let us struggle through it. But, Father, let us bring it closer to you because that's ultimately what your word does. And we thank you for it. We give you honor, thanks, and praise. It's in your precious mighty name we pray. Amen. So one of the things you realize very quickly as you continue to listen to this podcast is that I have a big three that will almost always feed into the conversation. And they are as follows. Number one, a desire to just always know more about God and try and figure it out on pretty much any and all topics concerning him. Yeah. Number two, equality and equity of colors and ethnicities in the body of Christ and in its leadership. Yeah, that's going to be a real awkward conversation for sure. But you know what? I just just don't care. Um, And number three, Uh, The reconciliation of the global body of Christ through denominations that were not created by God. Let me say that right now. Um, And as far as I'm concerned, they were most likely created by the enemy himself, but they will be redeemed by God. So, yeah, how about that? So, yeah, this is uh, those are my three. And this message was a bit of all three in a sense. And had I had much more time, uh, you know, because I only had like three seconds to give an entire message, I would have broken down uh, a much more raw visage. That is the ugliness we really have toward one another and how the enemy doesn't even have to work hard at creating such discord anymore. Like in our culture, bro, it only takes one push. I mean, y'all seen like videos sometimes where somebody pushes one person and it turns into an all out riot, bro. That's that's us. That's the church. Congratulations. Um, never mind. Like, I'm not going to get started. <sighs> so thanks again for listening to the podcast. <laughs> uh, but no, please don't forget to follow us on FB, uh, you know, Inspired One Enterprises on Insta at the Inspired One. And remember that the second I in Inspired is the number one. And of course, please don't forget to subscribe. Leave those five stars and a generous review on your major podcast platform because you love us and you want us to be great like we want you to be great. And thank you once again for rocking with us. And please remember to be inspired to inspire because that's what the inspired one does. (sighs) One love. Keep rocking. Brown out.